0: prayer requests and some praises and some worries, uh, um, I raise up to you the, the Gannets as they are uh, looking at a new job and uh, moving out of the state. Uh, Lord God, I pray that you would help them to, to get through this and to seek you in, in the situation they're facing, and I pray that you would keep them safe and help them bless their marriage and, and help them to know you more more and more through this time. Um, Father God, I raise up to you uh, also the, the Bond family as they're moving to Montana um, over this next week. I pray that you'd keep them safe, uh, keep their, their travel safe, and, and protect them. And Lord God, I pray that you would bless them in this, this new chapter in their lives. Um, and Father God, I, I uh, raise up to you uh, Rose, uh, her friend who is uh, stranded in Yemen I pray that you would keep them safe, and and Lord God, make it possible for them to uh, return home soon. Um, Lord God, we pray for uh, just all the folks who are dealing with the the disease, this COVID-19, this virus, and pray that you would um, help this this time to pass quickly, Lord. Um, I pray for uh, Stephanie's friend, uh, 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 whose mother has COVID-19 and is in quarantine. uh, who's quarantined with, you know, with people who are at high risk. I pray that you would uh, just keep them safe and bring quick healing, uh, limit the complications of the illness, and, and pray for their healing. Um, Lord God, I raise up to you uh, Carly's uh, cousin Jerry, who's recovering from corona. Um, pray for, for you to br- bring him health quickly, and, and for his aunt John, Jan, uh, who's caring for him. Uh, And Lord God, we praise you that that the rest of the family has come back with negative tests. And I pray that you would continue to to keep them healthy. Um, Lord God, I I also raise up to you just uh, just a number of of very heavy hearted concerns, Lord, um, for my wife's Aunt Amy, uh, who's going home on hospice today. Um, Pray that, that you would help her to look to you in this time and and help her family and, and for the, the Gardino family to look to you and, and know you more through this time. Um, help them to trust your hand and your grace. Um, and Father God, I, I raise up to you the, the Roscoe family as, as Mrs. Roscoe is dealing with a brain tumor. And I pray that the doctors would um, be able to heal that, that, that um, you would help them get through this and trust you. I pray for a miracle in their lives, in Christ's name, Amen. Oh, and most of all, I praise you that we're able to be together again and 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 worship you as a family. I, I praise you for the opportunity to be the body of Christ in one place, um, in Christ's name. I pray, Amen. Okay, we are uh, continuing. If I can manage this without making too big of a mess, um, we're continuing in the book of. Uh, well, we're continuing in our series. We're actually going to do Acts chapter 1 today. So if you have a Bible with you, have a look at Acts chapter 1. Um, and what we've been doing, our series so far, has been uh, the road to Calvary and beyond. Like we, we started out before Easter doing the road to Calvary, and we looked at all these um, things that, these events and these times in the Old Testament and prophecies that built up to the time when uh, when Christ would go to the cross and when the resurrection would happen. And we are... Um, for the last few weeks, we've been looking at the beyond half, like where Christ was resurrected, what the resurrection means to us, um, how the resurrection affects our lives and our eternity, what it means for for illness, uh, um, for those who who die in Christ. Um, and then actually what we're going to be looking at now, um, Acts chapter one is sort of the transition point where we go from focusing on Christ and the outward expansion from you know, the, the resurrection um, to, to focusing on the Holy Spirit and the Church. Um, before I get there, I, I wanted to share a story, and hopefully, I do this in a way that's—I I don't want to—I don't want to make fun. I, I want to be be gentle, but um, I, I know it's hard to believe. Um, when I first moved to Texas a um, hundred years ago uh, to marry Jessica, um, I, I moved there driving. A very old and rusty um, 1970s-era Ford Thunderbird. Um, and it, it was – it was I love that car. Actually, it's one of my favorite cars I ever owned. But it was rusty, and it leaked like you wouldn't believe. Fortunately, it like leaked on the passenger seat. So it wasn't that big a deal to me. But Jess didn't like it. Um but when I when I moved it to Texas, um my tags expired and I had to get new tags. And in the state of Texas it is incredibly difficult to get a, a, a car tagged. You have to get a safety inspection and emissions test and all kinds of other stuff. And my like five hundred dollar Chicago car with rust and, and beat up and everything else, I could not get it to pass the safety inspection. Um, it was, it was a safe car, particularly cause I was driving it, but, um, according to the state of Texas, it wasn't safe enough to drive. And so I had just gotten out of college. I was poor as dirt. I, I had nothing. I didn't even have a place to live at first. I lived on uh, my, uh, now in-laws couch for a while. Like I slept on their couch for a while before I had a, had a place to live. And, and, you know, I, I, I remember getting my first job and needing a vehicle to go to work in and, um, I was an exterminator, uh, which was, I guess, what I was qualified to do with my philosophy degree. Um, and I I talked to my father-in-law, who is a great guy, um, and he lent me a car. Um, it was a, oh, I don't know, like a 1980-something, 1988 for, oh, Ford Festiva. Now... I don't know if you've ever seen one of these cars. They're—I think they're two-seaters. Uh, they have a hatchback. They—they they look surprisingly like the old Yugos. And—and um, and that car, it weighed about 800 pounds, um, and it was the least cool car I had ever driven in my life. Um, and this was added to by uh, the decoration that it bore, and I—I. I, uh, my father-in-law, when when I met him, had lost a hundred and just. Did you say hundred and thirty pounds? Okay. Vince had lost hundred and thirty pounds. When, yeah, he had lost hundred and thirty pounds using Herbalife, which is like a multi-level marketing diet product. And Vince lost all of this weight, and all of these people who knew him were asking him how how did you lose this weight? And so he started selling this stuff, and he had buttons that he wore everywhere that says "lose weight now, ask me how." and and then he got these car magnets, lots and lots of car magnets, these signs. It said, lose weight now, ask me how, and I had his home phone number. And, you know, ask me how to lose weight, 30 pounds in 30 days, and his phone number. And he just ordered a ton of them, I think way more than they could reasonably put on their cars. And because of the little aspirin car, this awful little Ford Fiesta was parked there, they, um, it just became their repository for the extra signs and slowly this car was like went from being this white car like to a driving billboard with probably 15 of these signs on it they were on the hood there were three or four down the side and it was a two door hatchback so like think about that they were lined up they were on the back window they were on the hood you know i mean everywhere this car is covered in these weight loss magnetic signs and i was grateful to have a car to drive period. Um, (laughs) So I drove it every day to work, this driving billboard weight loss car. And everywhere I went, people saw this. And I remember going to work and these guys were all there like who, who, you know, they, 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 they enjoyed making fun of my car and me vicariously. And, and I, so I would go every day. Oh my gosh. And whether I wanted to or not, people were going to pick on me about this, and it wasn't a pickup truck, and it's Texas, and so that, and also, you know, it's a weight loss car, um, and and to take it a step beyond, sometimes people would stop me and ask, hey, how can I lose 30 pounds in 30 days, and I I don't know, call the number, like, <laughs> I got nothing, I, I can't help you, I, <laughs> I clearly didn't need to lose it, and um, that was the joke, it was... <laughs> And so, like, whether I wanted to or not, I was a driving billboard for this product, right? Like, I was a driving billboard for this this thing. And wherever I went, people looked at me and they saw weight loss. And it, it, it was just attached to me. And it went everywhere I went. Um, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 1. In a little bit of chapter 2, and specifically we're going to be focusing on how the Holy Spirit arrives, right? Christ's ascension and then the Holy Spirit's arrival. And this is a huge deal because um, at this point we go from, like if you look at the Old Testament, God would talk to his people and the earth would shake. Moses went into God's presence and he came out and he glowed like a light bulb. He was he was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Prophet for a little while. He had to cover his face so people would stop looking at him because he had like the glory of God shining off him. And there was this huge distance between God and man because of sin. Right, Like sin created distance between us and God. It's not the way it was meant to be. Then God shows up as Christ and like, like the Son of God shows up and God is in our presence and we can talk to him and we can eat a meal with him and we can put our finger in the hole in his hand and, and our hand in the hole in his side and everything else. Like, like we're able to come into contact with the living God that close. And, and now we're going to see where God goes from up there to down here in here as the Holy Spirit arrives. Um, There's a whole bunch of stuff recorded about the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. This little bit here is kind of unique to Luke's books. Um, Luke talks a lot about, uh, uh, was that a double slide? Oh, I just didn't advance it. I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Um, So we're going to start actually in Luke 24. We're going to actually do two in the Gospels before we get to uh, John. I'm going to try and do these quickly. Um, but there's some stuff here that are, that's important we got to touch on. So Luke 24, this is 44 to 53. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled, that he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance... For the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. A um, little bit more there, but we're, before we get to it. Um, He says, listen, like he he teaches them. He spends 40 days there. He teaches them about like the resurrection and the crucifixion, the purpose of it. He teaches them about like his death on the cross for their sins. He teaches them about the future and the resurrection and like prepares them by opening their minds to what the scriptures had to say. Because before then they would read it and it was nonsense to them or they were confused or their own agenda got in the way and they were unable to see certain truths. They were they were dumb Um, In a very real way, they were blind in a very real way by their own sinful natures. Um, But as he opened his eyes to the scriptures, as he helped them understand what actually happened... Um, they learned and they were prepared. And then he said, listen, I'm going to send you out and you're going to start in Jerusalem. I need you to stay in Jerusalem until it's time. And then you're going to go out and you're going to take this everywhere. It is going to go everywhere. But don't go until you are clothed in power from on high. And that power from on high is the spirit. Like the spirit is going to come and he's going to like fill them and they are going to become like billboards for the gospel. And everywhere they go, people are going to encounter them and know about Christ from what they say and how they live and who they are, and the the spirit will come off of them like like, like the Holy Spirit, honestly, like a, um, like spreading seeds in a field. I mean, it'll go everywhere. And so it's coming, and they're being commissioned to do that, but they're told hang out in Jerusalem until it's time. Wait here. Um, and he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple blessing God. So they stay in Jerusalem about ten days. Um, that's the end of the book of Luke. Um, Luke is actually a series of books. Luke's writings are a series of books. You've got Luke, and you've got Acts, and then some people think there might be a third one that never got written because you know Luke might have died. Um, but Luke and Acts are both written to the same guy. They're written to a guy named Theophilus, and they're written as like an investigative like report because Luke wasn't there when Christ was born. He wasn't there. Um, for a whole bunch of stuff, Luke was hired by a fella to go out and interview people and collect up the story and tell him about it. And that's what Luke did. He interviewed people. Um, It's one of the reasons why Luke um, gives us some unique perspectives and a broader vision of what happened is because he talked to everybody and he reported what he heard. Um, Luke traveled around with Paul as well. He is associated with the early apostles, um, but that is what he's doing. So in John, this is where John ends his gospel. And I really wanted to, uh, before we jump into Acts, I wanted to do this. Nevertheless, this is Jesus talking. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So before he leaves, Jesus says, listen, there's a helper coming. And that helper is going to do the job, right? He is going to convict And he's gonna like bring them about, like convict them of their sins, and help them grow into righteousness. And they'll know that the judgment is coming. Like they they will be aware because the Spirit will be there. The Spirit is going to do this work, and he is going to help you in the process. Um, This is a huge deal because um, the cross saves us from our sin. The resurrection assures us of our eternity. And now the Spirit enables us to go out into the world and tell people and to live better and grow into righteousness and overcome our sins and see our own sins even. Like, the Spirit enables us for this job we have to do. He helps us grow. He helps us learn. And sometimes He just speaks through us when we can't say the right words. Um, I know a lot of folks who worry, oh, what if I don't say the right thing when I'm preaching? Oh, what if I don't say the right thing when I'm telling somebody about Jesus? Oh, well what we say doesn't mean anything. Like it's important that we say it. It's important that we're as accurate as we can. We have to do the best job that we can, but the Holy Spirit enables people to hear from him. Like the Holy Spirit does the work. Um, I still have many things to say to you, but but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. Into all the truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, and will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So what he says is listen, the Holy Spirit's going to talk to you directly and you're going to hear from me from him, which is, by the way, amazing. We have a we have a God who, you know, we have a Lord who died for our sins, and a Lord who will speak to us in us through his Spirit. Like we're able to hear like God's voice through the Spirit. Um, Does that mean we'll hear audible voices? I don't know. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes thoughts come to you. Sometimes you open your mouth and the right words come out. The Holy Spirit is a, like, it's like the wind. It blows where it wants. It does what it wants. Um, And it's amazing. So we get to the book of Acts. He is 14 minutes into his sermon and he's just gotten to the text. Um, In the first book. Luke starts his letter basically the same way he started the book of Luke. He says, listen, Theophilus, this letter is to you. This is the second one. And I'm going, up until this point, I've told you all about the things that Jesus did and about the death and then the resurrection. And then Jesus went around and he taught them and he showed them all kinds of proofs. And here the story picks up. You know how they do that in novels where the first five chapters of the second book is always recapping what you read in the previous book and it's kind of annoying? That's what he does. Right? He says, hey, listen, I just sent you a book. This is what I told you. And we pick up from there. This is 4 and 5. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Same thing he said in the previous book. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he quotes John sort of. He says, listen, John baptized with water. Um, the Spirit is going to baptize you here pretty soon. Um, what John said actually was, I just baptize you with water, but there's one coming who will baptize you with fire. And I love that description of the Holy Spirit as a fire. Um, like it's powerful and it's hot and all-consuming and purifying. Like it's amazing that he's described that way. And so Jesus warns them: stay here. The Holy Spirit is coming. You are going to be baptized. You're going to be filled and cleaned and made different by the Holy Spirit. It is coming. The day is coming. Um, Real quick before I go forward. Well, actually, he's going to do this. Um, Let me do it with the text. I'm not going to jump ahead. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? So they all gather together, and they know something huge is about to happen. And actually what the huge thing that's about to happen is Jesus is going to ascend. He's going to go to heaven. Um, he's, what they ask him is, hey, are you going to restore Israel now? So like after all this time, they still don't get it. <laughs> they're thinking, oh, Israel's about to conquer the world because that's what we were promised. And actually, if you look, what they're doing is um, there's a popular strain of thought amongst Uh, ancient rabbis and amongst ancient Jews, where they looked at Joel chapter 2, 28 to 29, and they read it as a, oh, wow, Israel's going to conquer the world, and we're going to be the most powerful country on earth, and it's coming. It's going to be awesome. Um, This is the passage they read, and it shall come to pass that I will Pour out my spirit on the flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dream. And your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. If you jump ahead to chapter 3, it says, For behold, in those days and at that time, I will restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, and I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my heritage, Israel, because they have scattered them among the nations and divided up my land and have cast lots for my people and have traded a... so there's this whole passage there, like this whole understanding amongst the ancient Jews that they're like, oh, wait, there is this day coming that God is going to take up our cry and our, our cause as his people, and he's going to conquer the world. And they're like, that day is here. Look, the resurrection happened. Something big is about to happen. Jesus is about to do something awesome. And that awesome thing surely is going to be world domination. <laughs> it's like... I don't mean to say it lightly, but that's kind of their idea. Like, Israel will become a superpower, and our enemy nations will disappear, and everything will be gone, and it'll be awesome. Um, So here they are. They're ready for this. And they ask, is it going to happen now? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So now as we go into the book of Acts, this is, this is the order that the book is going to happen in. Because they're asking, are you going to give us political power now? And Jesus says, you know what? You don't know what you're talking about. I'm not going to explain to you God's timing or how God is going to do anything. Here we go. You're going to take... My spirit, you're going to take the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be my witnesses. The word witness there is a legal term. It means that they will testify on his behalf as to the truth. And like, like in God's great court, people will believe or they won't believe, and that will be the judgment on them. And so he says, listen, you're going to go from Jerusalem, so Jerusalem is a city, to Judea. To Samaria, which actually isn't bigger, but Judea would be all Jewish folks. To Samaria would be the non-Jewish people. And then to the ends of the earth, which means everyone. They're expecting a conquering army. And what they don't realize is that they are going to be the conquering army. They're going to be the conquering army expanding God's kingdom. And actually, kingdom is used in the previous, hey, are you gonna restore the kingdom? This is about the last time. It's used like three more times in the book and never in this kind of context. From here on out instead of kingdom, it's gospel. From here on out, it goes from like kingdom as in like this this worldly power kind of thing, to God's like the gospel of Christ. The gospel of salvation by grace through faith is going to go everywhere. It is going to spread like fire. Um, and it's going to affect everyone. The the God's people are going to go out like a conquering army to share the good news that Christ died for you. That when you were still in your sins, when you were still dead, when you were still broken, when you hated God through and through, like in your very heart, that Christ came and died for you. He carried your sin and like like was crucified and tortured and like God poured his wrath out on him and forgiveness comes through that. Like what is about to happen is the Holy Spirit is going to come and is going to be poured out on all nations because... Because that's what God promised. But that pouring out on all nations isn't going to be by the sword. It's not going to be by winning elections. No matter what anybody tells you, the gospel is not advanced because we hold power in Congress. Or because of Supreme Court justices or some other nonsense. The gospel is advanced by changed lives. By the Holy Spirit spreading into new people that we like share the gospel with, that we wash in baptism, that we disciple to grow into maturity in Christ. Like that is how the gospel spread. And then those people will share it with the next person. And when the Holy Spirit enters us, we can't even help but do it. We can't. And so you all have met believers who are like that. You look at them and like the gospel itself is like a magnetic sign on their life. Like, beyond magnetic, it's drilled into the core of who they are, and you meet them, and you know that guy belongs to Jesus, and you know that guy loves you, and you know that guy would do anything for you, and you know that guy is full of grace and mercy and wisdom. Like, you know the Holy Spirit is on them, and you know Christ by knowing them, because everywhere they go, it shines out of them. That's the Holy Spirit. The difference between the Holy Spirit and somebody who is a really like a super Christian religious guy is... The Holy Spirit changes us in such a way as to where you can't help but see it everywhere. And the super perfect religious guy is just trying as hard as he can to live up to it without it. Um, So they're going to go out to the ends of the earth. They're going to share the gospel with the ends of the earth. And when he had heard these things or when they had said these things to them, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took them out of their sight. And while they were gazing into the heavens, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven meaning Christ will come back and everybody's going to see it and we're all going to know he's going to come back on the clouds like but they're sitting there and Jesus leaves and I'm like well what now what do we do and they stay in Jerusalem and 10 days later when the day of Pentecost had arrived Now there was dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them, each one was hearing them speak in their own language. Um, Now watch this. So like 10 days later, they're hanging out and the Holy Spirit shows up. And he shows up as a rushing wind and as a fire that fills the house. And it's such a racket. It's so loud. I've been in the house where this happened, actually. It's still there. It's been rebuilt, but it's the same stones and everything. It's kind of cool, actually. Um, It's right next to David's tomb. Um, So if you go there, you can stand in this room. But the room was filled with this rushing wind. And everybody came out. They're like, what is that noise? What is going on? And they come out and they see the disciples. And they hear them speaking in languages that they shouldn't know because they're from Galilee. Galilee is like, I don't know, like the West Virginia or the Kentucky of Israel. Like it is nowhere in particular. And you don't run into a guy from Kentucky and assume he speaks French. Right? Like you don't meet a guy from, from West Virginia and say, I bet you know Latvian. I assume that's a language. I may have just made it up. Um, (laughs) I assume, you know, Esperanto or whatever. I mean, like suddenly they're speaking in languages that they didn't speak and they look at him and they're like, how are these guys even talking like this? They, this is crazy. Aren't these guys from Galilee? Aren't they basically hillbillies, rednecks and uneducated jerks? Like what are they doing? How do they know my language? Um, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galilean? See, I just said that. And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Figa and Pamphylia, uh, my ancient city names, country names are awful, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty work of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocked them, saying they're filled with new wine. I love that last line, they're filled with new wine. Because that's exactly it. Like that's that parable Jesus told, right? Like the new and the old wine. And these guys are new wineskins filled with new wine. And they are speaking the truth. What do we do with this speaking other languages? There are some people who believe that this means that everybody who has the Holy Spirit will speak in tongues they don't know. Um, I don't think that's what's happening here. What's happening here is we're being demonstrated that the apostles are about to go out and speak in the language of everyone they encounter. Not necessarily in the language they don't know, but they're going to speak through the Holy Spirit, and they're going to speak in a way that's supernatural. Um, Do you ever... All right, so when I first became a Christian, there was a time that I would come to church every week. It was St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Montgomery, Alabama. And Pastor Mike, every week, that guy would get up and he would preach his sermon, and it didn't matter what he was talking about it was like he was cutting right to the core of who I was, and whatever I was praying about, he spoke to it. Whatever I was struggling with, he said it, and it was unreal. I, I felt crazy. Sometimes Terry says that to me. It's like you're sitting in my living room, um, and, and I had that. I would go, and Pastor Mike would get up, and he would talk, and man, there was, it cut right to the heart of who I was. It was like he was speaking directly to me every week. It was like he knew exactly who I was and what was going on with me. And, and it was unbelievable. It was so shocking to me that that all I wanted was more of it. Um, he was speaking Eric. He was. And by the Holy Spirit, he was talking directly into me, whether he knew it or not. There are days, not because I'm anything special because i'm not not because i'm any clever or any anything there are days that god speaks through me despite me um where where the holy spirit comes out of what i have to say there are times when um there are times when all sorts of preachers speak in in words that are way beyond them and the holy spirit uses their words to cut right through people um there are times when just our actions speak louder than anything else i had a friend in college who was approached by um a classmate When she was in high school, she went to a public school, and she was approached by a classmate and and asked, "Like, why are you different? Like, what is it about you that makes you different? I've never met anybody like you. You're friendly with everyone. You're always happy. Like, what's different about you? Why are you the way you are?" And she told her about Jesus. She said, "Well, because of Jesus in me. Like, Christ in me makes me this way. Um, Because once the Holy Spirit is in us, everywhere we go, everything we do, that message is there." It's unavoidable. And sometimes we might feel embarrassed or, or self-conscious about it because like, of our sinful nature. Um, you know, maybe we don't want to drive around with the Holy Spirit signs hanging off of our front and our back and our side and everything else. But at the end of the day, like, that's our job. Our job is to go out and share the gospel with the world. Our job is to find people who are are sedating themselves with drugs and alcohol and to tell them about how Christ can heal the broken things inside them. Our job is to find people who are are hurt and dying inside and tell them, you know what? Christ made you like Christ died for you to live better than this. All you have to do is know him. Our job is to find people who live in shame constantly and tell them that, you know, though your sins are like scarlet because Christ died for you, you can be made white as snow. That is our job, our mission, our goal. We are a conquering army whose job it is to just go out and tell people about Christ. Um, Is that instant? No. Um, But it is something the spirit does. It is something that we grow into when we learn to rely on the Spirit, when we learn to talk to Him, when we learn to study His Word, when we learn to fill ourselves up with praise. Um, it's something that we can quench, too. Um, I, I often talk to folks, and they'll say, oh, well, I, I always look for the Spirit to talk to me, but He doesn't. And it's like, well, do you ever feel guilty about the bad stuff you do? Yeah. Do you stop? Well, No. Well, the Spirit's talking to you. You just don't like what he's saying. (laughs) Like, you want him to tell you all kinds of awesome stuff. You want him to tell you lottery numbers and all kinds of other nonsense. But, like, the Spirit begins by cleansing us, convicting us of sin, and bringing us to righteousness before we go out and share the gospel with the world. And so, like, if I'm struggling with secret sin, if I'm struggling with pornography, if I'm struggling with jealousy, if I'm struggling with arrogance, if I'm struggling with, with matters of doubt or or um, if i'm struggling with brokenness in me that that i don't want healed like the spirit is going to nudge that um i remember when i quit drinking the worst part of it was when i started praying for god to show me my sin so i could be holy and like oh my gosh i I, like it everywhere you you don't realize how much you sin until you really start looking for it then it's everywhere and like but the trade-off is the more that we clean our house, the more that the Holy Spirit brings us to a place where we begin to correct our lives and we begin to set things right, the more we become like like vessels of his spirit, the more he indwells in us, the more we're able to speak beyond um, what we know and, and speak truth that we don't understand. Um, does that mean that we'll always have supernatural talk? No, Sometimes, sometimes you'll walk up to someone and talk to them about something and answer a prayer that they're having. That's happened to me a bunch of times. When I first became a Christian, I'd be praying about something. I remember I worked in this in this uh, cookie store in a mall, and I would stand there, and I'd pray at the counter. God, please explain this to me. Help me to understand. And someone would come up, and I'd strike up a conversation. And before I know it, what they're talking about, is answering my question. Okay, they didn't know. They never knew. Um, but a lot of times, the Holy Spirit will reach out and touch the lives of folks. And we'll never know it. We'll never understand how much of a difference it makes. Actually, to me, that is the most exciting part of this version of church. There are people all over the place who are listening to preaching that would never hear it. Right? There are people all over the place who are feeling convicted. Who, who know there's an empty spot in them. Who know that things aren't quite right. Who know they need something more. And the Spirit's nudging them. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you all. We can invite people. We can share. We can point to. We can draw people in. But it's the Holy Spirit that does the work. Like, I wanted to kind of end this series here. I wanted to kind of tie it all up here because of this. Um, From this point forward in the in the book of acts like we we go from everything coming to the cross to everything going out from this point forward We see where the gospel is spread in jerusalem And then it spread in judea and then in the like amongst the philistines And then in the rest of the world and we see the gospel explode out and change everything and it's because of the holy spirit moving Um, for us the holy spirit isn't a feeling it's not like It's not like I'm going to fall on the floor and roll around like some folks do. I'm not saying that necessarily isn't the Holy Spirit, but like some people say, oh, well, I'm not that guy. It's not like, oh, I'm overfilled with joy. It is the Spirit nudges you. The Spirit wakes you up from your sin. The Spirit um, shouts loudly into your heart and, and pushes you to be better. And the Spirit pushes you to talk. Some people are blessed. They get to, you know, the Spirit tells them, hey, go talk to that guy. I'm not one of those people. But I've stood up to do sermons and had like a manuscript in front of me and then had completely different crazy things come out of my mouth that weren't on my text. And I just sort of like ride along and listen Um, because the Spirit will do what he does. It doesn't happen every week. It's happened twice (laughs) in 20 years. Um, But the Spirit will do what he does. My challenge for you today is to look at your life and ask because this is the point where it's us, right? You, me, your neighbor, everybody who knows Christ, we are the legacy of this. How are you sharing it? How are you encouraging the Spirit? How are you listening? How are you hearing? How are you drawing into his presence? How are you growing in the Spirit? How are you studying and filling yourself? How are you actually doing it? Because over and over and over again, the mark of these texts, these last things that Jesus said in the very beginning of the church is, go. Right? You can't spell gospel without go. Um, Go, 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 go. Um, A lot of times we hear that and we say, oh, that means I'm supposed to go to India and preach the gospel. And it's amazing to me how many folks will go to another place and preach the gospel but won't do it to their neighbor. Is your life covered in signs of the Spirit's investment in you? You're asking, lose your sin now, ask me how. Like, die to your old way of life and become a new creation now. Just ask me and I'll help you. Is this who you are? Is the Spirit crying out? Are you filled with new wine? And people look at you and say, "He must be drunk most of the time because no one acts like that. i close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that those who are here in today who feel convicted, who look at their own hearts and say, where is the Spirit? Who, who, um, you know, who, who know you, um, but do not speak? Who who, you know, sees hold of this thing, this Holy Spirit, this God inside us. I pray for us to to find wisdom, like to be led by your Spirit to know. I pray that that leading would bring us to repentance, to cleaning up our own houses, to to finding believers who need help growing and helping them grow, like through discipleship. I pray that it would help us to to pursue our faith, not our religion, but our following of Christ, Lord. I pray that you'd fill us with new wine and make us into people who are drunk on the Spirit. Um, In Christ's name I pray, amen. What? Oh, yeah, next week, church starts at 10, okay?